0: Let me open with a word of prayer, then we'll get going. Lord, we do thank you just for the privilege of calling you Father. Lord, we thank you that you have brought us into your very family. You have given us, given us a citizenship in your realm. And you have shared the very life of Christ with us. Lord, we thank you for all that we are and have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that in Him, we have everything necessary for life and godliness. In Him, we have been made complete. And yet, Lord, we struggle, oftentimes, not looking real complete, not feeling real complete. But, Lord, you call upon us to live by faith. To put our confidence in what you say in your word and trust your Holy Spirit. Little by little to make an experiential reality. Lord, we think of the chapter we're dealing with uh, today, uh, just uh, the thing of self-denial. And Lord, for your, uh, just as we get into the issue of your provision for dealing with the self-life within. So Lord, we just want to commit this uh, time to you, praying Lord that your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our understanding to the truths you have prepared each of us to learn. For in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, we're in chapter 11. I always do a little bit of a review. I may do a little bit more of a review this week from the standpoint that I didn't get it recorded last week. And so for those who are trying to keep up with things, listening uh, online. I'd like to at least put enough of a summary on what we missed last week that they won't be left totally in the dark. Now, in chapter 11, of course, we uh, it was entitled Self. And in our Christian development, you know, God is seeking to take us uh, you know well he 's taking to to move us from not i to christ he 's seeking to move us from relying upon ourselves to actually beginning to uh, appropriate the life that we have in christ and in chapter ten we we saw that Really a huge part of our Christian development and really an uncomfortable part of our Christian development is God revealing to us what our old Adamic nature is like. What the self-life is like. Uh, you know, Paul came to the place of acknowledging that in his flesh dwelt no good thing. And, you know, God is trying to bring each of us to the, uh, the point of that awareness. You know, we came, as I've said in other weeks, we came to salvation recognizing that we needed someone to, to deal with our sins, to pay our penalty, to, you know, cancel the debt uh, against us. But by and large, I think most of us when we came to salvation didn't recognize that in addition to our sin being dealt with, we needed to be dealt with. That our very self-life needed to be dealt with. And we needed God's provision for that. And, you know, we did not come to embrace Christ as our Savior until we came to see we needed a Savior. We will not come to the point of embracing Christ as our life, until we come to see our need of that. And to bring us to salvation, God had to convict us of the sin in our lives, to bring us to the place of embracing Christ as our very life. He has got to bring us to the place, like Paul in Romans 7, where we acknowledge the good we want to do, we can't do, and the evil we don't want to do, we continually do. And like Paul, cry out, O wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me? And find the answer Paul found, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That The answer we had for the guilt and penalty of sin also is the answer we have for the self-life we're dealing with. Now, last week we started in on chapter 11, and again I'm going to run through the first part rather rapidly here. Uh, but, you know, when we as believers begin to see the old man for what he's like, that old Adamic life, that life we were, we gained at birth and has been part of us all the way up through salvation, when we begin to see that life for what it is, initially we try to handle it. And we saw that through the course of history, and even today, there are a number of different ways that believers try to to deal with this old Adamic nature. We initially think that if we do the right thing, we can control it, we can fix it, we can do something, and we have got to come to an awareness that we can't. But historically... One of the big ways, uh, um, well, yeah, we said man has many ways of seeking escape from the thraldom of self. God has but one way. And so we started out last week looking at some of the man-centered methods. One is mortification. This was big in, the early, in some of the early centuries of the church. It still is big in the Catholic church with monasticism. You deny your uh, oneself certain things for time, or for even for all time. You know that if we just if we just constrain this self life, if we just you know put restrictions around it, we'll be able to control it. But that doesn't work. You know, in the early centuries of the church, there were those who went off and lived uh, in isolation. You know, in a cave somewhere. Or, and uh, there are still are those who go off and live in a monastery and and try to isolate themselves from the world. Martin Luther tried that; didn't work too well for him. He found that. Uh, the same self that he was struggling with when he was in law school went with him into the cloister. (laughs) He still had the problem. He tried beating himself. That didn't fix it. Mortification has never worked. Conquest. This idea that with enough effort, we can conquer That thing. You know, if we, you know, uh, if we just read the Bible more, if we just pray more. And Bible study is important. Prayer is important. But no matter how much you study the Bible, no matter how much you pray, you will not fix your Adamic nature. It will remain the same. It will remain the same after 10 years, after 20 years, after 30 years. It will remain the same. Now, you may at times be able to polish up the exterior and make it look to others like like it's changing. But in your heart you'll know the same struggles there. The same failures are there. Training. Training. You know, good Christian training and culture in the right homes, churches, and schools have been relied upon to subdue the old nature and bring it into line. Now, again, I taught for 14 years at a Bible institution. I'm, you know, very much for biblical education. But in those 14 years, I never changed anybody's old nature. I may have helped them come to see the old man for what he is, and I may have been used by the Lord to help them begin to see who they are and what they have in Christ. But I didn't change that. And a lot of these things we're going through, I've tried in my own life. You know, earlier in my life, I thought, yeah, if I just prayed more, if I just read the Bible more, and I did, and I did, and I did, and it didn't fix this. And I believe in my four years in, in, in uh, Bible college, I still held a belief that somehow this was going to change. It didn't. A lot of parents think, you know, if we just send our kid off to a Christian school or something, it's going to fix this. No, it's not. Now, hopefully, if this, if they're really teaching the Word they will begin to point them towards Christ and the answer there. But it's not going to fix this. It's not going to fix the old man. Revivalism. The practice of holding special meetings once or twice a year in hopes that something will change, but but it rarely does, and then not for long. And there's a lot of Christians, you know, They go to a revival after revival after revival, and each time they're hoping, this one's going to fix me. And again, it might result in for a short period of time, some things changing outwardly, but it hasn't really changed the old man, the old nature. Growth. So many dear Christians just keep plodding or racing through the deadening routine of their multitudinous church activities and duties, expecting that in time, self will change for better as they grow. Now, is growth important in the Christian life? Yes, it is. Will growth change your old Adamic life? No, it won't. I've been growing in the Lord for 65 years now. And I'm here to tell you, my old Adamic nature has not changed. Now hopefully, I do not spend much time in that old nature. Hopefully, uh, very much of my time is spent living on the basis of my new life in Christ. But I'll tell you what I told my students over and over again. I am scared to death of what I am apart from Christ. I'm scared to death, even at this point in my Christian life, of what my old Adamic nature is capable of. And I think we've seen that historically in a number of different uh, men that the Lord has used very mightily. But then all of a sudden, after years of the Lord using them, we see them go way off the rails. Why? Because I think people say, well, it was all a show. Hmm, Maybe, maybe not. Maybe for years they were really had their eyes on the Lord, but somewhere along the line, they lost sight of who they were apart from Christ. They started thinking that they were this... They took their eyes off of of, uh, the Lord's provision. They began living on the basis of their resources. And we see what their nature was like all along. It's just that's not what we were seeing all along. We were seeing Christ. I have got to constantly remind myself that anything that is accomplished through my life that's of any value is by Christ and not by me. Because the minute I start taking credit for what Christ is doing, I'm heading down a dangerous, dangerous road. A road of self-reliance in which the Adamic nature will show its true colors at some point or another. Cleansing. I've tried this one. Up to the moment, confession and consequent cleansing have also constituted a popular method. You know, I constantly confess my sins I get out of fellowship I get in fellowship I'm out of fellowship I'm in fellowship I'm out of fellowship I'm in fellowship and as he points out in this section he said that deals with sin after it's been committed but it doesn't set you free and as I shared last week I think that was what really put me on the road to really wanting God's answer I got tired of, you know, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess. Being afraid I sinned and I didn't think to confess. And, you know, it was a real bondage. And to say, wow, Christ shed His life for my salvation. Surely it's better than this surely there's more to what He bought for me than what I'm experiencing. And God began guiding me down a path that began to show me, yes, Christ did buy you a lot more. The salvation He provided for you doesn't just deal with your sins committed, your sin debt He's made provision to deal with you. With me. And experiences. And many, I I never went this route, but many do. You know, if I could just get the baptism of the Spirit, or if I could just speak in tongues, or if I could just do this, that would be the key to victory in this area. And it's not. So, these are ways that have been tried and continue to be tried by Christians. Ways that over and over again prove themselves ineffective. So, what is God's way? What is His way of getting uh, the (coughs) self-life out of the way? And he has but one way. And it is the basis on which all his other of all his other ways, the principle of the finished work. God's way of dealing with this is the way already travelled and conquered by Christ, by the completed work of Christ. God's provision for dealing with our old Adamic life is found in the finished work. It's not found in anything having to be added. So many of these others are looking to some outward addition to deal with it. Either you know, with uh, either some, I got to put some, uh, put a wall around me of some sort, or I've got to, I've got to do this or that to conquer it, or I've got to do this or that or this or that. They're all seeking something in addition to God's work to deal with the old Adamic nature, but God's way. Is found in a finished work. When Christ cried on the cross, it is finished. He meant it's finished. Everything needed for dealing with sin and with self was finished there on the cross. And so we see It was on the cross of Calvary that God in Christ dealt fully and finally with self, the nature from which all our sins flow. So, we've been looking at how we try to deal with the old old Adamic nature. How did God deal with it? He dealt with it through the cross. And Stanford here quotes from Romans 6.6 6, in the Amplified Bible. He says, we know that our old, unrenewed self our, was nailed to the cross with Him with Christ, in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be slaves of sin. Paul says God's way of dealing with our old Adamic nature was to put it on the cross, to crucify it, Not to try to fix it. Now, that's half the equation. That's God's way of dealing with the old. But then we also are identified with the resurrection of Christ, which brings us into a whole new realm. God's answer is not to fix the old but to provide us with something new and perfect. We have this new life. Paul says, In Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him. Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians, you know, that in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies." Peter tells his audience that we have everything necessary for life and godliness. We have all that. But we are never going to begin to appropriate it as long as we're trying to fix the old life. And that's what a lot of believers are trying to do. They're trying to fix it. Just, just tell me what to do, God, and I'll go fix this thing. And it's well-intentioned, but it's ill-informed. Because God says that in there is no good thing. There's nothing He wants. You know, I've said it several times in the past. I'll say it again. We have this saying in Christendom. God wants you to give your life to Him. No, He doesn't. It stinks. He wants you to let go of your life and embrace His. He says, I nailed what you once were to the cross. Leave that stinking thing there. And get to know the new life that is sourced for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like you, you got this guy hanging on the cross and somebody shows up with a bunch of makeup and everything and we're going to make him look good. Kind of dumb. And yet that's what we're trying to do a lot of times. said, it is done. Now our, now ours to believe. God tells us what He has done do we believe Him or not? That is the question. And that is what will begin to change everything. Again, chapter 1 of the book, faith. We talked about what faith is. Faith is not just believing something real hard that maybe it will happen. Biblical faith is putting our confidence in the statements of God. whether we can verify them by any means other than that, just on the basis of God said it, I believe it. And God told me and He told you that you have a whole new life in Christ. He's told you and He's told me that that old Adamic nature, He nailed to the cross, He says, believe me. Believe that that old life was nailed to the cross. Leave it there. Don't let it influence you. And begin to believe that you have a brand new life hidden with Christ. Waiting to be found. Waiting to be appropriated. Waiting for the day it will be revealed fully when He is revealed in all of His glory. Says the flesh will only yield to the cross. Need to come to see that. Not all the resolutions you may make at a conference, not to any self effort, not to any attempted self <laughs> crucifixion. Crucifixion, yeah, yeah. people can kill themselves a lot of ways, they can't crucify themselves. You just can't get that second hand up there fastened. There's no way to do it. Only co-crucifixion. Crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I begin to see my union with Him. You know this runs so contrary to the view of the world. The world tells you the problem you have is you don't love yourself enough. You need to learn to love yourself. And they're working just in con- a conflict with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is saying, you've got to come to despise what you are apart from Christ. And then come to know and love who you are in Christ. Paul, in the opening verses of uh, Romans 12, tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We have got to learn to think differently than the world. The world's telling us the answer is to love yourself. The Word's saying we need to love Christ and who we are and what we have in Him. And let go of what we are apart from Him. His answer was to nail it to the cross, leave it there. He says, it's not by putting yourself to death, but by taking through faith and surrender your place of union with Christ in His death. He says, that is the blessed barrier of safety between you and all the attractions of the flesh, and that makes the way open to do the will of God. See, I'm, I'm not to put myself to death. I am to by faith believe that I was, am so identified with Christ. That his death was my death. His burial was my burial. And his resurrection life is now my life. Paul says, what? For me to live is what? Is Christ. Life is found in seeing Christ as our all in all. And for years, my prayers in the morning would be, "Lord, help me not to do this, or help me not to do that, you know, and focused on certain sins and, and things it 's no longer my prayer. My prayer in the morning, so oftentimes i won 't say every day, but very, very often, is, "Lord, I want to look like a child of the most High God today." I want to live like someone who is a citizen of heaven. I want to have the very life of Christ radiate forth through me so that others see Christ and are drawn to Him. It's not about the life of Rick Barth that matters. It's about the life of Christ. He changes everything. If there is any good you see in me at all, let it be Christ. I don't want people drawn to me. I want people drawn to Christ. It says the cross of calvary resulted in the death of the lord jesus both for sin and to sin and that's that's important a little distinction there he died for sin that's where he carried our guilt and and paid our penalty but he also died to sin in the sense that he died out of the realm of sin you know it's interesting as you read through Uh, the book of Acts, that the only ones who saw Christ after His resurrection were believers. Why? Because Christ was no longer part of the sinful, uh, uh, no longer had a place in the sin-filled world. There is no record of an unbeliever seeing, seeing the risen Lord. Except the exception might be Paul on the road to <laughs> Damascus, who thought he was sincerely serving Christ or serving god and and Paul uh, god uh, Christ woke him up, he didn't see him in the bodily sense of the 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 others uh the five hundred plus that saw him. Uh, during the 40 days following his resurrection, but he died out of the realm of sin. He said, in that he died to sin, he died out of the realm of sin, and he arose into the realm of newness of life, eternal life. And our identification with him on Calvary took us into death, down into the tomb, up into newness of life. Romans six four. First, Romans 6-3, baptized into his death. Then Romans 6-4, buried with him. Then in Romans 6-5, for if you have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul in Romans 6 says, you know, we're identified with his death, we were identified with his burial, we're identified with his resurrected life. Then in Colossians 3.3, 3, for you are dead in the realm of the old. You are dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord, he says, it all happened at Calvary. Our sins were paid for, our sinfulness was dealt with, and both by the ultimate death. He says, you know, and we receive the benefits of the work of the cross simply by reckoning on, and the word reckon means to count as true. Reckoning on believing in the finished work of the cross. Do you believe God when He says that you died with Christ, were buried with Christ, and now have new life in Christ? Or do you continue to hold to this idea that your only hope is to fix the old? I choose to believe God. I choose to believe what He wrote in His Word. It doesn't mean that I don't fall back into the old at times. I do, unfortunately. But hopefully it's briefly. And I know what's happened. And I move back over to to the life side of the cross very quickly. As I... Said the other week, you know, Joe and I have talked about the fact that the more we grow in the Lord, the more schizo we appear. (laughs) Because the difference between what we are in Adam and what we are in Christ, as as we grow in this area, (laughs) the difference gets wider and wider and wider. And you step off of the ground of your new life in Christ and you step over here and it looks nastier than ever. And in a sense, sometimes it is nastier than ever because we have become less proficient at making it look good. When we lived our whole life in the flesh, we got pretty good at making it look good. But the more you, 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 you're you leaving that at the cross and, and growing in your relationship with Christ, when you step over there, you aren't real good at controlling it and making it look good. And Janelle knows what I look like when I get off in the flesh. And I know what she looks like. And we've said in marriage, we do pretty good as long as only one of us gets in the flesh at the time. When we both get in the flesh, that's when the fur starts to fly. (laughs) As long as one's somewhat spirit controlled in dealing with the others, you know, it's handled reasonably well. (laughs) But boy, when you both, when the second one steps off in the flesh, wow. That's when the things blow up. But he says, praise the Lord. It all happened at Calvary. Our sins were paid for. Our sinfulness was dealt with. And both with the ultimate death. And we received the benefits of the work of the cross simply by reckoning on it. Believing in the finished work of the cross. He says, first through the word we find out what God did about the problem. He states that in the Bible. Then, as we become thoroughly convinced of the fact and begin to understand it clearly, we're able to agree, uh, agree to reckon it true. Now, a lot of believers haven't come to that point because they have not really seen what God says in His Word. About this. They've seen that Christ died for their sin. And they may quote the verse. You know I've been crucified with Christ. But it means nothing. Until we understand what God had has done. We can't by faith count upon it. And he says as we exercise faith in God's fact. Because if God said it. It is a fact. We begin to receive the benefits of that Finished work in experience. The more I consider my old man to have been crucified, the more I begin to count it as true that my new life is in Christ, the more the Holy Spirit is able to begin working that new life into my daily experience. It says, was it not true in the matter of justification? Yes! And we will likewise find it to be be true in the matter of our emancipation from the slavery of the self-life. The just are to live by faith. And this is another area we need faith. He says, the powerful effect of the cross was God in heaven in blotting out of guilt. And our renewed union with God is inseparable from the other effect. And that other effect is the breaking down of the authority of sin over man by the crucifixion of self. And so he says, therefore, Scripture teaches us that the cross not only works out a disposition or a desire to make such a sacrifice but it really bestows the power to do so and completes the work. He says, you know, if you want to see this spelled out pretty clearly, he says this appears with wonderful clarity in Galatians. In one place, the cross is spoken of as the reconciliation for guilt. That's in chapter 3, verse 13, and that's what we often think of as the work of the cross. But he says there are three more places in Galatians where the cross is even more plainly spoken of as the victory over the power of sin, as the power to hold in the place of death the eye of the self-life, of the flesh, the outworking of self, and of the world. And he says, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, chapter 5, verse 24, chapter 6, verse 14. He says, in these passages, our union, our identification with Christ, the crucified one, and the conformity to him resulting from the union, are represented as the result of the power exercised within us and upon us by the cross. So he closes with this note. As we learn to stand on the finished work of Calvary... The Holy Spirit will begin to faithfully and effectively apply that finished work of the cross to the self-life, thereby holding it in the place of death, inactive, resulting in the not I, but Christ life. Now again, recognize what our responsibility is, is to stand by faith on the finished work. It's the Holy Spirit's work to take and bring this truth into the realm of my day-to-day life. It's not up to me to produce the Christ life. It's up to the Spirit to do that. My responsibility is to believe that... The person who came to Christ at the cross was dealt with by the cross. And that I came away with Him from that open tomb tied to Him to a whole new life. And believing that is reality and trusting the Spirit to make it experientially real in my day to day life I've seen him do it in many lives I see him doing it in my life little by little day by day year by year progressive but it is his work now the whole next chapter takes this issue a lot further the whole next chapter is dealing with the cross So, you know, if things have been left a little uh, unclear at this point, I'm hoping it will clear up uh, some uh, when we get into the next chapter. Again, some of this you have to wrestle with for a while. I don't know when each of you accepted Christ as Savior, but you probably wrestled with for a while. Uh, for some of you, you wrestled for a while before you came to really be willing to believe God that Christ died for you and to embrace Him in that way. And so, for some of us, we have to wrestle with a while, for a while with believing that as far as God is concerned, Christ's death was our death. And the cross is where what we once were was dealt with. And that we now have a new life. It's interesting. The uh, It never says that the old man is dead. It says he's been crucified. It says that we died. We left him at the cross. We came away with him hanging on the cross. We came away with Christ. Down into the tomb. Up into newness of life. The old man's still hanging there. The whole old man, and we'll see this a little next week, the old man can still assert influence, but it has no right to us anymore because our life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you now for the cross and, Lord, for the freedom it can bring. The freedom it has brought positionally, but Lord, the freedom it can bring in our day-to-day experience as we put our confidence in your statements. Lord, we thank you again for the abundant salvation we have, one that has given us everything for time and eternity, everything for life and godliness. May we believe your word and what it says. And Lord, may your spirit make these things very real in our daily experience. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.